Welcome to the Holidays to Switzerland Travel Podcast. Your host is the founder of HolidaysToSwitzerland.com and the Switzerland Travel Planning Facebook group, Carolyn Schonefinger. On this podcast, Carolyn will be joined by a variety of guests who share their knowledge and love of the country to help you plan your dream trip to Switzerland. Hello, and welcome to Episode 9. One of Switzerland's most recognisable natural landmarks is the Matterhorn, the iconic triangular-shaped peak that rises above the alpine village of Zermatt. No doubt you've seen many photos of the Matterhorn before, and it also features on the packaging of Toblerone chocolate bars. Rising more than 4,000 metres, the Matterhorn is a sight you just have to see to believe. And one of my fondest memories from Zermatt is rising early and watching the sunrise turn the Matterhorn orange. It's something I'll never forget. Well, Zermatt may be best known as being the home of the Matterhorn, but this beautiful village offers plenty of other attractions and things to do, as you'll discover in today's episode. My special guest is Janine Imish of Zermatt Tourism. Janine is passionate about Zermatt and loves sharing its charms with others. And I'm sure after you've listened to today's episode, you'll be ready to include Zermatt in your Swiss itinerary. You'll find the show notes from today's episode at holidaystoswitzerland.com forward slash episode nine. So to be sure to check those out for additional resources to help with your trip planning. Now, let's join Janine. Hi, Janine. Thank you for joining us today. It's um, great that you're here and I'm really looking forward to talking about Zermatt. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to talk to you about Zermatt and uh, to bring you a little bit nearer everything what we have here in our beautiful destination just right to the Matterhorn. Beautiful. Now, could you start by sharing a little bit about the history of Zermatt and how and why tourists uh, started to visit the village? Yeah, it's um, a short and a long story, let's say. Zermatt is quite a, a young village. Uh, it started like before tourists came, it was just a farmer village. So people lived here, they were farming, there were cows and sheep, and it's just like to survive. There was no tourism, no, no nothing. And then slowly first explorer came to attract, they, they get attracted by the mountains, by the flora and fauna and so they came and but the people they were not able to talk to them right because they couldn't speak any English because they were the British coming into our country and it was kind of strange let's say and then um, there was one person he said okay there is something going on we could earn some money here because people are really interested into that so the first hotel arrived in 1839 um, it was only three beds, so hotel three beds. <laughs> Today it's called the Hotel Monterosa, so it was the first hotel really um, into that uh, into, into that history. And um, then it started the big thing where tourism started or Zermatt get a point on the world map was on 14th uh, of July 1865, because then we had the first ascent of the Matterhorn. Party of seven people climbed the Matterhorn successfully. There were um, uh, one person from Chamonix, two local people, and four people from from the UK, British people, and they. Uh, there was also one lord in this in this party. Uh, but what happened by climbing uh, down the Matterhorn? There was an accident, and four people died. 
And so because there were English people, also Queen Victoria was, of course, not amused. And she wanted to, to get into a law that's saying it's forbidden to climb mountains. So mm -hmm. every, everyone was now focused on, on Zermatt, on the Matterhorn, what happened and so on. And there we started, uh, 1891, first train steep, uh, steam train operated to come into Zermatt, uh, 1928, first winter season, and so on. So we were growing for a former village to a destination where we have now 2.2 million overnight. But it's also really nice to see we have still 6,000 inhabitants here. So we have kindergarten, school, we have shops, and out of that also many hotels and restaurants. So when you compare it a little bit with other destinations, not in Switzerland, but abroad from Switzerland, it's a little bit different because we grew up with the tourism. There was a life before and now with the tourism. And of course, also the future is always the balance to find for the locals and from the tourists. So no Disneyland, real tradition. And that's a little bit how Zermatt and the Motherhome came famous. Great. So it's yeah, a very authentic, authentic village. And Definitely. have you always lived I, if I always have lived in Zermatt, no. Yes. I mean, I always lived in Tash. So what is Tash? We have the destination Zermatt Matterhorn. There are three villages. The biggest, of course, is Zermatt. And just before Zermatt is Tash. And there I grew up. And um, I went to school to Zermatt. And also for me, as a, as a local person, it's always amazing to get in morning to Zermatt and see the Matterhorn. It, it always looks different. And uh, that's why... Um, it's easy to live in this area, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I bet. Now, Zermatt, <laughs> it's a car-free village. So how can people uh, get get there? Yeah, you just have to walk and hike. No, just kidding. Of <laughs> course, it's car-free. It was always car-free. Um, it came up with the infrastructure, how it looks like. So they decided to stay car-free. And now when you think, oh, how, how I arrived there, there are different ways to do so one for example when you arrive by train for example from the airport um you have a train that's going into zermatt and you have one change uh, like uh, where you change the train company and all the rest is easy and smooth to get into the village right away from there you can call for example the hotel porter and there are little electric cars and they come to pick you up at the station with you and your luggage so you don't have to walk around with all the luggage to get to the hotel. And this is really easy. The second thing, like because people also like self-driving, um, from there you drive into Tash, where I live. And from there you have the possibilities to park the car. They are private and also official um, or uh, public um, parking spaces. And there you have two opportunities. So one is... You go up, for example, by a shuttle train. You go easily with a little, um, how you say, where you put your luggage on when you got also on the airport. You drive into that directly to the train and in, within 12 minutes, you're already in the village. The second opportunity or possibility to go up to Zermatt is by taxi. So I said car-free taxi. How does it work? Only till the entrance with a special um, permission you can drive into the village because also food and this stuff have to be drive uh, driven into the village but uh, for that cases you have the taxis but also with a train it's so easy and for the ones they want to really have a nice arrival with a lot of time and have an amazing scenery 
then of course the arrival by the Glacier Express is amazing. So this is a train ride from St. Moritz to Zermatt. It's a panoramic trip. You sit down about seven hours, you eat, you drink, and you look at the whole Switzerland, the mountain, the lake, the rivers, and so on. So this is really a must-do. And since only about like two years now, there's, for example, also the new excellence class. And this is like flying business. So you have all window uh, seats, really comfortable seats. It's so lux uh, luxurious traveling because you also have a concierge. You have a five-course menu. You have even a bar in that train. So it makes it really like a nice excursion or a trip to arrive to Zermatt or go from Zermatt then to St. Moritz. So this is not to miss out when you really have time and in explore also the area by train and arriving to Zermatt. Perfect way to arrive, that's for sure. Now, it's fair to say that um, most people that come to Zermatt are probably there to see the Matterhorn, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. But the village itself has got plenty of things to see and do also. What, what do you recommend that people make sure they, they see in, in the village of Zermatt? So this is um, definitely, as I said, from the history, we are um, young, but also uh, with all the farming um, you have an old part of the village, for example, and there are houses from the 15th and 14th century. So really old wooden houses. And there are still, um, on, in some houses, there are still people living in these houses. And the others, they are there because they were um, used for shelters to store um, food and dry meat and so on. So this is really something um, you do not miss out. And uh, if I talk about Zermatt itself as a village, Everything is in walking distance, so we are, we are not a big city. You can walk from the entrance to the end of the village, let's say in about 20, 25 minutes, and it's quite flat. So when you go around this, the old part is really at one point to see. We also have, for example, um, the mountaineering scenery. So this is like, there are not dead bodies, but it's more like a memorial for all the people who died uh, around, uh, around the mountains, because we are surrounded by 38 peaks higher than 4,000. So climbing, again, back to the history, people came to climb and so on. And uh, later on that stage, you couldn't send the dead bodies abroad. There were no possibilities. There were no cars, no trains. So what have you done? So you buried them there, for example. There are no bodies now anymore, but there are still like the, the, the graves and so on to show also the respect for all these people and these pioneers. Um, then we have a wonderful museum. And when you say, some people say, oh, museum, what's museum? But it's also really nice for the whole families because it's uh, on, on the ground and it's also called Cermatlantis. That means the village above, um, above, as you know, Atlantis, above the sea. And this is Cermat underneath. So you go downstairs and then it's like it's a travel back to to, to the history. You've mm -hmm. got houses and it shows you Zermatt around uh, 18... 1800, with uh, how tourism came. You even can see the rope, the original rope from the first ascent of, of the Matterhorn and how tourism came, how we were trading with Italy over the passes and so on. So this is really something special um, and also nice to see a little bit how we were converted into the Zermatt village and Zermatt lifestyle we are today. So this is also something to not to, to miss out. And then just 
walking around and um, to see you already mentioned it is uh, authentic tradition village all houses also the new ones we build a lot with uh, wooden houses so it's also a law in the community so that we can't just build a a skyscraper uh, and that's it. No, we're really taking care that we still stay in this, in our, in our history where we are. Exactly. Of course, mixed with some luxury and uh, well-treated offers. Of course. And shopping too. There's lots of shopping options. Exactly. And there, of course, don't miss out the chocolate. There are bakeries. They're doing um, chocolate in shape of Matterhorn. You, we have even... And many cows here in Zermatt, and we have um, a shop that is just producing with that milk from Zermatt, so no external milk, just that milk. They produce rocklet cheese, maybe you know, where you put the rocklet just underneath the fire and you uh, slide it down to your table. Um, you have fondue they are doing, uh, other kind of cheeses, of course, because we love, of course, cheese. And, of course, like shopping all these traditional um, Swiss souvenirs, but also uh, sport gears, uh, watches, and so on. So you can mix it up a little bit with shopping, of course. And, of course, the restaurants, when you're tired about shopping and looking, uh, uh, watching the museum and so on. Hmm, good. Now, when you're strolling around the village, um, you might come across a couple of animals that are quite unique to the Zermatt region too. What what can you tell us about those? Exactly. I mentioned already regarding the cows. They are not so far away. Also in the summertime when they're up in the Alps, you see animals all over the round. So one really typical local sheep is the black-nosed sheep. Um, it's so cute. It's so cute that we even announced it to be our mascot because it's totally white and he's black on the knees and on the on the on the nose. That's a black nose sheep. Um, female and male they have corns and they are really really um, curious and really lovely uh, sheep. So they are um, in the summertime, they are up in the mountains, but not so high up. So when you walk, suddenly you can see a whole um, bunch of these little um, sheep and uh, it's always worth it to take a picture with them. And sometimes you also, uh, you really can touch them because they're so curious. They're coming over to you and looking, what are you doing? So that's really nice. And then I would say that's the, the most, let's say the most, um, topic that is photographed in Zermatt. It's not the Matterhorn. That is the black neck goat. So when you think, what, what, how is that possible? So the black neck goats, um, they're also, also living here in the summertime. They're in the shelter of the end of the village. And in, at nine o'clock in the morning, they walk through the main station. So what you will see that the restaurants are taking in the flowers, that not the black and the goats are eating the flowers. And they're walking through the main uh, street. Why? Because they go to the field to spend the day outdoor and eat. And, uh, and they're also um, um, supported or a little um, school boys and uh, um, girls that are with them the whole day. So what happened, all the people are standing in the main street and taking picture of these uh, goats. And the same again is happening at five o'clock. And mm -hmm. if they want a little bit too late, even tourists are coming into the tourist office and asking, where are the goats? <laughs> so it's really, it's really, um, it's really interesting. And also to say is uh, we are car free, but thanks to these goats, we have traffic jam because every the, the, the 
traffic jam because the pedestrians are staying or waiting and taking picture. So it's quite hard to walk through them because they are so, so famous. And um, yeah, when we're talking about other animals, um, it's really, um, we are in the mountains. So it's really likely that you can see deers, ibex and a lot of ground uh, hawks. They are walking around and you see how they are um, um, siffling, like sh 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 this kind of mm -hmm. sound. So it's really, really nice um, to see also together with all the birds. So definitely wildlife you can see easily here in Zermatt. Wonderful. Now, one of the things that um, you know you can't help but notice when you walk around the streets of Zermatt is the Matterhorn. It seems to be there, whichever corner you turn, it's there looking at you. Um, and there are uh, three main excursions that you can take to get up even closer to the Matterhorn. Could you tell us a bit about each of those, please? It would be a pleasure because always if they ask me what should I do, which peak, it's really difficult because every excursion peak is so unique. So when we start with the highest point where we can go up, this is the Matterhorn Glacier Paradise. It's located on 3,883 meters high up. And this is the highest cable car station in Europe. It's, uh, you can go there all year round. And why is it so special? Um, you're on the glacier and you can ski in there the whole year round. There's a glacier palace where you can go into it and then you're really in the, in the, in the, in the glacier. There are sculptures and you can really um, uh, have a nice look how it feels like to be in, in, in a glacier. But not only that, there's also a big platform. And with this platform, you um, can access by elevator. And from there, you see the 38 peaks I mentioned before, which are higher than 4,000 meters. So you see, for example, down to France, where is the Mont Blanc? You see the Monte Rosa, which is the highest area um, in Switzerland, the highest point of Switzerland. And this is just amazing. You see down to Italy because it's right at the border to going down to Italy. And also there is really new at the moment. They are um, just constructing now the Alpine Crossing. It's a project that will be in 2021-22. And then it's possible to do the whole year. Uh, you are the whole year you're able to go from Switzerland to Italy without uh, hiking or skiing because a cable car brings you safely up and down. So it makes a new opinion crossing there from one country to the other. Really amazing. And the view up there, it's just Amazing. Um, you really feel up in the sky. The other point is uh, the, the Gornegrat. Also amazing excursion. It, I know it sounds like kind of marketing here, but it's really like <laughs> I live here. And, 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 uh, but there it's going right at the middle of the village. There's a cockpit train going up on 3,100 meters. From there, 29 peaks higher than 4,000. And there you can really see down to the glaciers. And the view of the Motherhorn is, again, different, is another angle. And uh, up there, you've got the restaurant, you've got the viewing platform and also little um, hikes to do. And also in Gornegrad train, when you, when you take that train, you always can hop on and hop off. So your different station stops when you can go out. And what to do there, I won't tell you now. I, I won't tell you now because we are talking about that shortly later. But this is definitely something also to visit. So also the cockpit chair where you open um, all that kind of view. And um, to say in Zermatt, you have the highest um, border of the forests in Europe. 
So it's really nice when you go up by train and suddenly you are above the forest and everything's changing. And the third one, I'm sure all of you heard already of the Toblerone, the chocolate with the triangle form. And this is kind of the U with the Roton. This is really Toblerone classic U. From there, it's, um, it's also a lot to do. It's also kind of the ex, uh, explorer adventure mountain. And uh, it's really nice to access with a cable car. And uh, as you see, if you want to really see the classic view, and maybe you don't have so, ma- so much time, the Rotom is really nice to go there and uh, also explore from there the whole mountains around you. And uh, as you said, um, always in a positive sense, stalked by the Matterhorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and is it possible to do the, all those excursions all year round? Good question. Yeah, more or less. So the Madron Glacier Paradise and the Gornegrad, these two are open the whole year around. Uh, even in high season, uh, you can also do both um, Madron Glacier Paradise and the Gornegrad with one ticket in one day because they build a new cable car, which makes the access really easy that you can have these two big peaks in one in one day and of course uh, in the off season as we told uh, the Rotorn is closed but for the Gornegrad the Matron Glacier Paradise um, it's always open we also an all-year destination so the hotels are open not all of the 110 but you find a bed and from there it's really easy to explore to hike to ski whatever oh good so now I did actually want to uh, talk to you about skiing and um, it's possible to actually ski all year round in Zermatt. So not only are most of the excursions available all year round, you can actually hook on your skis year round as well. Exactly. So we have a large summer ski area with 21 kilometres. We also have many in, uh, national teams, skiing teams, they're coming in the summer to train then uh, to win the medals in the winter season. Um but of course, uh, Zermatt is really well known as a ski resort. It also gets awarded many, many times because the infrastructure is just amazing. There are no queuing, uh, no waiting time. It's so snow guaranteed. Um, we are located, Zermatt, on um, six, uh, 1,620 meters. And as I said before, the Matterhorn Glacier Paradise goes up nearly to 4,000 meters. So you see a little bit where, where we are in. So this is snow guaranteed. Also, you can ski on the glacier also in the summertime. And that makes it kind of special. So in total, we got 360 kilometers of slopes. And there is something for everyone. So you got uh, for advanced, you got for beginners. We got beginners park. We got um, a different kinds of level levels uh, to ski. And um, as I mentioned before, because we are on the border of Italy, you can also ski down to Italy. So you start, for example, in Zermatt. You're going up to Rotorn. You start skiing, ups and down, no problem. Um, and then suddenly you finding yourself in Italy uh, having a pizza or pasta and really Italy made and an espresso and for the dessert you're coming back to to uh, Semat uh, area to eat some good chocolate as a dessert so you see that's really kind of fun um, to, to ski in these two countries really easy to crossing over coming up uh, back and this makes it really special uh, what is also kind of um, unique in the area when we're talking about skiing it's not only us 
It's also done by many, many people coming since years. It's also the unique mountain restaurants. So uh, don't think about big restaurants where you have 100, 200 people and there's one meal after the other. Think about cozy old house style, which are converted by restaurants and uh Everyone has a speciality. Is it lamb? Is it raclette? Is it rösti? These kind of things, which makes it really, really nice. And because uh, everything is also covered with snow, we are so high, there's also a lot of possibilities to ski in and ski out. So this is also, um, it's all about snow and it's all about skiing and that makes it really popular. So also, if you want to say, let's do a trip to Switzerland skiing in November or in April, you are served because this is really um, snow guaranteed. And if you want to really exploring once in the summertime, then it's worth it. I mean, imagine going up skiing in the morning and then late in the afternoon, or maybe you're playing golf in shorts. Um, yeah, that's really it. You can't do that everywhere. So no. it's really a unique experience. Yeah, wonderful. Okay, so skiing is really popular in winter. Um, hiking is a really popular pastime in summer. Is there trails for all all levels of hiker or only for the more experienced? 400 kilometers of trails. So I guess that's a good answer what yeah. we can find here. You can you can have hiker levels. They If they prefer only to do it for 30 minutes, no problem. If you want to do seven hours, no problem. You find it everything. Even if you want to do multiple day tours around our area, everything is possible. And the good thing, because the cable cars are also working in the summertime, so if you're fed up to walking down, you just take, uh, you hop in in the next gondola and you're cruising down to the village and fine, that's it. And the good thing also is to hiking in Zermatt or walking, it depends which level you are, um, you don't need a backpack. Mm -hmm. So now you think, you're why, um, when I'm starving, when I'm thirsty, what I'm going to do? Restaurants all over the way. So hop in the next restaurant, have an iced tea, have a tea, have a glass of white wine, really popular for this area, some food, dry meat, and so on. And then you can go on. And if it's too hot and you're too sweaty, there are also little um, lakes where you can jump in, have a little swim, and that's it. Another point I like to um, talk about when we talk about hiking in, in, uh, in our area we do have the longest suspension bridge in the world. So, and when we're talking about the longest suspension bridge, then we're talking about 494 meters long. And wow. the highest point is 85 meters. So it's kind of a fantastic feeling when you are on this bridge. And this kind of, uh, you can't drive there by car. It's located in Randa. That's the other area I told you from this destination, Zermatt Matterhorn. And it's about a four-hour really walk up and crossing over the bridge and going down maybe not really for beginner let's say i mean you can be a beginner but it's kind of a fitness you need but mm -hmm. if you stay there it's just amazing and um the good thing or the interesting thing of this suspension bridge is also it was not built to attract more people because we want to be the longest and the highest and so on it's just needed because it's a very, a very popular hiking trails going through where you go multiple days from Grachen, for example, to Zermatt. And that's why we need this suspension bridge. And suddenly they found out, okay, that's the longest one in the world. So it's really a nice experience. 
Yeah, good. And for someone who is perhaps a beginner and just wants to do like a nice easy walk when they're in Zermatt, which one would you or is there a particular one that you would recommend? Yeah, of course. There are, uh, for example, one which is really, really nice is a five lake walk. It's moderate. Uh, it's 2.5 hours. And now you think, oh, my God, two and a half hours. But it's a lot of flat paths and you're walking through different lakes. This is really something to do, which is really, really nice. Then you have also um, a, um, a trail, which is in the area from Blauhead, so underneath the Rothorn. And there you got like 30 minutes, really flat, also to a lake. And also they are easy to see the animals that I mentioned before. So uh, it's in no time. Uh, you always think you're up in the mountains. I was talking about high mountains, but still to walk there, also if you're a beginner, if you want to have an easy day, you have so many possibilities that make it easy because we've got also families and they also want to be outdoor and hiking. So that's why they offers a lot of, of trails which are for beginners or easy walks. Okay. Well, I was actually going to ask you about families and, and what other activities are there that um, families and children in particular would, would enjoy? We always say if you are a family and you want to come to Zermatt, it's good if you're a family that are really keen to doing things together because that Zermatt is really done for that. Is it like climbing? Is it like skiing together? Or is it also um, on a, we have a family park where you can swim in the water, where you have playgrounds, where you have water games and so on. There's also um, adventure programs where you can send your children and they do half a day, as I said, climbing, kickpiking, so this kind of bikes, um, skiing. They do uh, a forest fun park. It's like climbing from tree to tree. So it's all, a be, all about active. There's also a gorge where you can climb and walk. So when your children maybe 10 years old, the whole family can go with a guide in about two hours. They're climbing into a gorge underneath the water, but you never get wet. So these kind of adventurous uh, things are there. But of course, if you have um, younger children, there are playgrounds. You can go and do some barbecue outdoor, um, like theme trails where they learn about volley, for example, our mascot, the black-nosed sheep, uh, where you have about flowers and so on. And also to say is about with the kids, uh, kids up to nine uh, years, they are for free on all cable cars. They don't pay any city tax. If they stay in the same room, if they stay in the same room after parents, they don't have to pay for the overnights and not for the breakfast. So it's really also a family-friendly um, area where you really can um, do a lot of things together. In the wintertime, it's a lot about skiing, and then uh, families like to send them to the ski schools. We have ski schools here which also have animations for the children and looking after them when you like to skiing. And it's also really made for, let's say, um, more generation families. If you have grandmothers and grandfathers which are coming in with together with the families, so you always can easily meet up also in the mountain thanks to the cable cars and to the trails and so on. So um, definitely worth it to visit also with the families. Yeah, definitely something something for everyone in the family to enjoy. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned before, I think you said uh, 110 hotels in Zermatt. 
what other styles of accommodation are available if or and and what sort of different standards of a hotel can people choose from so we got hotels 110 from one to five star hotels really special in, in zermatt nearly 90% are family run businesses Mm-hmm. So this is quite unique. So you don't really have these chains. It's more really uh, as a client, they know you already when you arrive when you were little and now maybe you come with your own family. So they know you. Um, also, uh, they are in the, most in the second, even on the third generation where the whole family is helping out in this hotel. From one to five stars, it depends what you want. It depends of the budget. It depends of the lifestyle you want. If you want to have a wellness, a spa, and so on, or or just a normal hotel. And on the other hand, we got also many apartments. Also there, from one to five star. If you want to have it catered, no problem. It's all, everything is possible. It's just the budget is the limit. So we all also have a use hostel. And of course... Nearly everyone has a view of the Matterhorn. Nearly every room um, uh, has has it. Of course, some not, but every every hotel can provide com- can provide you a room with Matterhorn view. As I said before, Matterhorn is stalking you in a positive way. So even in the morning when you are waking up and you see the Matterhorn straight from your bed, um, it's definitely worth it. And um, yeah, there are also chalets. You can rent the whole chalet so from apart from that um a lot the the hard thing is to choose whatever you want yeah you've got you've got everything covered definitely now um i asked a a few questions or i asked a question in the switzerland travel planning facebook group that i run um if any of the the members had any questions about zermatt so i'd um like to Uh, ask you what they came up with please alan asked we will be self-driving is it difficult to find a place to leave your car alan no it's not as we said um in tash don't drive to zamot don't drive to zamot leave it in tash it's really easy there are many 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 um parking spaces where you can park your car and then easily drive up by train or, as I said, by taxi to Zermatt. So it's easy. Also driving in in, in Switzerland uh, by car, it's also um, easy. It's good. Uh, the, sign, the signals are really easy to find there. So no worries, no worries. Great. Now, Carmela asked, what's the weather like in Zermatt at the end of April? Is it still snowing and uh, or would there already some some parts that that are green, like on the mountain sides and so on? Carmela, that's a good question because you never know how the weather will be like. So once we're on a mountain, we are high up. Um, you can you can be in April where it's suddenly snowing again. So you wake up in the morning and you got ten or twenty centimeters of new snow, but it's going fast away directly. And you have other parts in April where it's already green. So I would say as a conclusion, you will have both. It starts to get green flowers coming up, not at the beginning of April, middle, end of April, that it starts. And then it's getting more and more greener. But it happens. We are up in a mountain that you could also have uh, snow. For example, in April, we always have a festival called Zermatt Unplugged Festival. It's an unplugged with musicians from all over the world. But also here, this is festival. And suddenly in the morning, we have snow. We said, no, 
oh, what's going on? But then it's cleared up and the snow is melting again. So definitely worth it also in April, especially when you want to ski as well or doing the excursions. Okay, lovely. Now, also on the weather, um, my uncle uh, is planning to be in Zermatt around mid-May and he wants to know, um, will most of the facilities and activities and so on be available in mid-May? Mid-May, yes, as we said, the Gornegard will be open, Matron Glacier Paradise will be open, you can skiing, you can already hiking, um, maybe not on the top, top, top hiking, not the whole 400 kilometres, depends a little bit, but definitely open. And also down in the village, uh, you can go for shopping, the restaurants are open, hotels are open, so uh, don't be afraid that, uh, that it will be boring and so on, um, the life is there. The locals are living there and also tourists are there. So definitely worth it to come also in May um, with more quiet than July and August. And that's why also worth it to come over. Mm-hmm. Great. Now, you might really need to put your marketing hat on for this next question. Okay. I <laughs> um, uh, says that um, she's been to Lauterbrunnen and Interlaken quite a few times before and she's planning on heading back there again and wants to know, is it worth the effort to go to Zermatt and see the Matterhorn because it's it's quite a distance? Um, won't the Oberland region be, you know, be similar to Zermatt? Okay, that's a good one. That's a really good question. So first of all, is it worth it or not? One point, the Matterhorn. Okay, that's really kind of marketing. I mean, I can't really describe it in words. You have to see it once in your lifetime. That is like the must-sees. But um, regarding the way, because you say it's kind of a long trip, there I always say um, the way to paradise is not easy and short. So maybe, maybe it's worth it to come over. And also to say, <laughs> and also to say yeah, it's Switzerland, it's, and the Bernese Oberland is also really nice, but also the kind of the mountains are different. The, the, how it looks like the area Bernese Oberland and the valley region where Zermatt is, it's, again, it's different. It's mountains, but it kind of different mountains, also because of the attitude and so on. So definitely different and worth it to see. Um, just I, I don't tell more because, uh, yeah, it would be pity if you miss out, if you do it already to Switzerland from all over. So it must be like that to see and come. And then once you see it, please get back to me through Caroline and let me know if it was worth it or not. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so I've just got one last question for you. Uh, And if you could just sum up, you know, very very briefly, in your opinion, what is it about Zermatt that makes it a must-visit destination? For me, when I talk to other people and also talking about people that are coming since 20, 30, 40 years to Zermatt, because um, we also honor them from the tourist office coming so many years. And when I hear to that feedback, it's it's the feedback or the opinion that I have why Zermatt is so a destination, must win it, visit and so great. It's the combination of uh, authenticity and, um, and standard state-of-the-art of today and also the people living here. As I said, the locals, it's come... Easy, say the summer, it's coming home. 
because you're feeling home, as I said, locals that are here, the combination of internationality of all kind of clients arriving in Zermatt, staying here, the active together with the, let's say, gourmet bovivant persons. So it doesn't matter about the budget. It's all have the same goal and it's seeing the Matterhorn and having a good time. And all that mixed together, of course, with the Matterhorn makes it so unique and so special and that it's worth it to come and visit it and to explore it. I know it's hard to describe it in words, but once when you're here, you will understand it. Why? Because it's beyond of everything. Absolutely. I think you've summed it up perfectly. It's a very unique experience. And as you say, when you wake up in the morning and you look out the window and and you can see the Matterhorn just, you know, bathed in the morning light, it's it's something you, you never forget. It's always always funny to hear because um, people, for example, when I'm working with other regions and we go on sales activities and so on, or we're talking to the other people, they will say, yeah, it's so easy. You got the Matterhorn, you know, the marketing is there. You don't have to do anything. And then I'm always saying, yeah, it's true. For, it's easy to come up with this, uh, with this Matterhorn uh, topic. But um, there's a reason why people are coming year after year, season after season. That's so. It's not only the Matterhorn, of course, it one one point, but it's the the mix of everything, the the combination of everything that makes it so so successful and so worth it to spend time here. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for um, giving us more of an insight into Zermatt. Um, I know I'm desperate to get back there as soon as I can, and I'm sure you've inspired all the other listeners to include Zermatt in their Swiss itinerary too. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. If you got any questions, Caroline will also be a specialist, I'm sure. And it would be nice to see you once here and uh, stay healthy and hope to see you soon somewhere. Thanks, Janine. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. For more great resources on planning a trip to Switzerland, make sure you visit holidaystoswitzerland.com where you'll find trip planning tips, destination guides, information on transport, including Swiss rail passes, and much more. You're also encouraged to join the Switzerland Travel Planning Group on Facebook, where you can ask questions and chat to other past and future travellers to Switzerland. You'll find show notes from today's episode at holidaystoswitzerland.com forward slash podcast, and be sure to subscribe to the Holidays to Switzerland Travel Podcast so you never miss an episode.